We're eight days away from track and field action at the Tokyo Olympics, and there's only one way to get all of the Let's Run.com coverage. Join our supporters club today to get all the insight from Tokyo. Daily podcast, behind-the-scenes access. You'll hear it all as a supporting club member. Join today, Let's Run.com slash subscribe. Annual members get a free Let's Run.com or 159.40 goat shirt. These are some of the softest shirts in the business. Let's run.com slash subscribe. If you want electrolytes without the junk, there's only one way to do it. Drink LMNT. Go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run and take advantage of the free sample pack. It only costs $5 shipping. You get six different flavors. You can try them all out. If you don't like this stuff, I will personally refund your five bucks. Chris Lear, author of Running with the Buffaloes, Texted me last Friday. Element is the best thing you guys have promoted. I love this stuff. Chris Lear loves this stuff. You'll love it. Electrolytes without the junk. No sugar. Nothing extra. DrinkElementT.com slash Let's Run. Check the show notes for a link. Welcome, world, to the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast. This week's show, we'll talk about Josette Norris' incredible season has continued. Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers have run their final Olympic tune-ups. Josh Kerr talks trash about Matthew Sintrowitz. The Olympic entries are out, and Emma Copern catches a huge break as the world's best steeplechaser doesn't enter the Olympics. And... We've got great news to report, folks. Stop worrying about the cancellation. The Olympics have actually begun. You should be excited. Well, unless you're a fan of the U.S. women's soccer team as they've been beaten 3-0 in the middle of the night. But the Olympics have started. That's the big news. And in one week from today, our ace staff writer, Jonathan Gold, will be in Tokyo. This is Electron.com co-founder Robert Johnson. I'm hoping to be joining him. I should be on my flight in a week, but we shall see. I still do not have the passport in hand, but I'm hoping to secure it tomorrow. Robert, we could land in Japan, and if you test positive for COVID, they'll put you in quarantine for 14 days. You might miss the whole games. I mean, I'm not counting any chickens yet, but I'm optimistic that one week from now I'll be in Tokyo and we'll be getting ready to talk about track and field, which starts next Friday or next Thursday night if you're uh, on the U.S. East, East Coast. Yep. Next week's regular podcast, John, hopefully it's in Japan. Well, he'll be in Japan, I guess. John, if you're in quarantine, do you think like they let you watch the games? Will you be allowed to do the podcast? Are you guys bringing like a bunch of books in case you get quarantined? Like, Do you guys have plans to be locked in a hotel room for 14 days? Uh, I guess I should bring an extra book or two. I mean, I'll still have the internet. I'll still have a TV and stuff. to. I assume that my room comes with the TV. I can watch the games. So I'll have stuff to do. But a lot of these rooms don't look very big. I'm kind of worried, like, I'll probably put on weight. I'm just eating delivery food. I'm not going to... They'd said no running. Can't go outside and run. So uh, I'm just... Let's hope that I'm not quarantined. Let's hope that I get to go to the stadium. Is this no running in general or no running just if you're in quarantine? No running at all. Like within the first 14 days in Japan, you can't go out for a run. Wow. 
Wait, what? I can't go for a run when I'm in Tokyo? This is absurd. I've got my big race, the virtual race. Go for the red.org, folks. Hopefully everyone's signed up by now. If you're not, August 7th, annually, every August, I run a 5K virtually for the Red Cross. Last, last year, I beat a couple of Max Cornell runners. I think I was very excited to break seven minutes per mile for the whole thing. I did a trial run last week on a treadmill at 2.7 miles. Not a very good time, by the way, but I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to go sub seven this year. But I can't run there, John? This is absurd. Yeah, sorry, Rojo. As COVID liaison officer, I'm informing you now. Either do your virtual run before or do it when you get back to USA. You can't do it in Tokyo. Folks, if you want to sign up, go to gofortheread.org right now. If you want to reach the show, unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter, you can always pick up the phone and call us. 844-LET'S-RUN, 844-538-7786, or email the show, pod at letsrun.com. Speaking of the Olympics, I reached out to letsrun.com slash Japan. I'm not even sure if John's aware of this, but there's some people in, I think they're outside of Tokyo, who, they translate letsrun.com into Japanese, so our worldwide influence can just continue. We also have someone who translated into Hebrew and Israel. Let's run.com. Spanish might be coming as well. But I reached out to Ria and asked about what Let's Run.com Japan was thinking about the Olympics. And this shows people in Japan are not very happy about the Olympics. She wrote back, As you probably know, the majority of Japanese people feel that a safe and secure Olympics is impossible, as the number of COVID-19 cases are on the rise again in Tokyo. Some people are strongly opposed to it. I think it should have been canceled or postponed earlier, but we have to go ahead now because it's happening in a few days! Exclamation mark. I'm still opposed to it, but at the same time, I'm excited to see all the performances by the athletes. She does say, though, John, however, it's great to hear that you're coming to Tokyo. But then she wants to know, do you have to be quarantined for a few days after arriving? Are you going to Sapporo for the marathon? Her husband... Tsukasa, that's our translator. I guess I should know how to pronounce his name. He's going to be in Sapporo for the Olympics. And Robert, she wishes that your passport gets fixed soon. So she said the Olympics have caused a lot of controversy, but hoping for a tremendous event. So I think it just shows people in Japan, they're kind of freaked out about these things. Okay, we had a few meets over the weekend, notably the Sunset Tour slash American Track League Southern California meet. That's where Josette Norris ran her 359. Colby Alexander ran 333. Some really fast races there. We had the Women's 6K Championships. Do we want to talk about the races, or should we peruse the Olympic entries? Because there's some notable names there. I think clearly, John, we've got to start with the big race of the weekend. Uh, and I haven't been able to find this result, though. The U.S. Men's 6K race. Who won that? Funny you should ask, Robert. I find it very, it, it's very interesting, right? There was a women's 6K championship, which seems redundant to begin with. I mean, look, it's, it's I'm glad that American elites are getting prize money. This is good for elite racing, but it just seems kind of ridiculous. We have a US 5K road championships and a US 6K road championships. You know, it's the same event. Anyway, yeah, this was in Canton, Ohio. They had a women's championship, but they didn't have a men's championship. Uh, can anyone explain that to me? I can, John. It just proves my one of my axioms of life. Everybody wants to be a victim, and now I can find something that is a white, Ivy League-educated male. I can find out. See, they're discriminating against me, too. The world sucks. So I just was being 
kind of a jerk by pointing that out. But if the roles were reversed, I think people would be outraged. But congrats to Taylor Werner of Arkansas. She is the winner. $5,000. She beat Emily Durgan and Ellie Hennis by six and eight, by six seconds and 14 seconds, respectively. First national title for the currently unnamed Alistair Amy Craig coached pro group in North Carolina, of which Taylor Werner is a member. And sponsored by Puma. That's right. I think we can get to the Olympic entries later. Let's keep going with the results, John. The big race really, you know, we was the Sunset Tour LA event. There was also, now this was kind of a weird thing. Um, they had three hours of the meet in the middle of the day on national television in America for free on ESPN. And then they came back at night and had some races under pay-per-view, but this one wasn't actually pay-per-view before they were doing the model where you paid them and tipped them. This one I think was on runner space or flow track or something where you had to have a subscription. Yeah, it was on flow track. Yeah, it's weird. Well, essentially the whole thing this came about, it's kind of strangely organized, but Paul Doyle was, he had the American track league indoors. They got four meets on ESPN and he's like, he wanted to run it back outdoors. He wanted a bunch of meets and in trying to find meets rather than sort of spring them out of thin air, he started working with some that were already established. So that included the music city track carnival. It included some of Jesse Williams sound running events. This was originally, you know, going to be held not as part of the American track league. Then it kind of combined so they have a window of races in the afternoon on ESPN2. And then they have the second part, which is sort of just the sound running, not really affiliated with American Track League, is in the evening on Flow Track. The kind of annoying thing from a fan's perspective is that the fastest races, the elite 1500 and the elite, you know, elite men's and women's 1500, were both pushed to the behind the paywall on so it was late Sunday night, like 11 Eastern on flow track because that's the best conditions. Whereas you had, you know, you had a mile, you had a couple eight hundreds in the afternoon on ESPN two free. Well, cable subscription, basically. We shouldn't spend too much time talking about these races. People ran fast in a race that doesn't matter. I mean, like who cares? Great run by Josette Norris. She goes sub four for the first time, three fifty nine. It's with super shoes. I don't know. So is that like a four Oh two back in the day? Her transformation this year has been amazing. She's one of the greatest, breakout stars of the year her future is bright it's great for her she bombed at the trials she won't be at the olympics i'm looking i'm interested to see what she can do when she gets in some big races in europe if she gets in some big races in europe colby alexander's 333 i mean the, the 333 is the old 335 the fact that there was a mile on espn yet everybody runs the 1500 at night when nobody sees it i think shows what kind of what's wrong with their sport um you can go do what you want. doesn't matter if anybody watches it. But big scheme of things, these people aren't in the Olympics. For me, the only race this past weekend that matters might be Ajay Wilson's time trial. Like, she's going to be in the Olympics. She's a big factor. Shouldn't we be talking about that? Or, like, are there any other Olympic contenders running at either one of these Sunset Tour races? Yes, Raven Rogers ran in one of these races. Well, we can talk about that in a second. But real quick, I mean— Yes, Josette Norris is not an Olympian, but that may be because of the way USATF set up the schedule. She did not run well in the 5,000. Did she choke? John was asking me that earlier in the week. I said, well, did Timothy Chariot choke? I mean, he wasn't top three at the Canadian trials. She did not run well at the trials. But if you could do the 1,500 and 5,000 double at USA's, she probably would have easily definitely made the 1,500-meter team after you see this result. So 
Well, probably would have easily, definitely made it. I just don't think you. I don't think you can say that, Robert. We don't know, but I think that she's had an amazing year. She's run fourteen fifty one. She's run three fifty nine. She's way better than Heather McLean. She's way better than a lot of these people. I think. I I just maybe she's not good in the super hot five thousand, which is what happens in the five thousand. She didn't get to run both events. In hindsight, maybe the fifteen hundred would have been better with Hulahan out of it. But the way the schedule was, she couldn't do both. She's not going to the Olympics, but you know. Is she a better runner than Heather McLean? Absolutely. Um, does that mean Heather McLean's not an Olympian? No, it does not. Heather McLean is an Olympian. So I, I just thought, you know, in terms of these meets and whatever, I thought that the meet was kind of cool. Craig Ingalls had a mustache mile. He said he would give anyone who broke four for the first time their weight and beer. So two guys did do that. He's going to give them beer. He helped pace the race. That was a kind of a cool thing to have on TV. But you talk about the absurdity of it all. Chris Derrick, the Stanford grad who is a member of the Bowman Track Club, has started his own you know, Substack, his first column out in Substack, and it's entitled, Why Is It So Hard to Watch Track? And the subtitle is, Track is on TV plenty, but the top athletes aren't. And it just says, basically, there's no financial incentive for an athlete to care whether the meet's on TV or not. You know, they're going to go where the conditions are best. You, you could run a national television. You think that the shoe sponsors would care, but they don't care either. So it is what it is. We're not going to change it. So let's, let's do talk about the Olympic ramifications of some of these races. And I do think that the most significant was those these 800-meter races, particularly the one out in Philadelphia on Sunday. The Penn Relays has the summer series. Ajay Wilson, you know, she lives in Philadelphia, decided to hop into the men's 800 to get some competition. She ran 157. To be honest, John, I wasn't this impressed by this. She goes out in 57. She comes back in 60. I would have liked to have, you know, seen a slightly better performance than this. Um, what did you think of it? Doesn't really move the needle for me. I mean, she ran 158.3 at the trials. So now she gets in a fast race where she's being towed along and runs 157. Sounds about right. I don't think my opinion of her really changes much. I mean, it's a slight improvement, but really doesn't do anything positive or negative. Yeah, 157.85. Someone on the message board pointed out to her that a guy by the name of Bryce Tucker ran 157.7. They would have liked to have seen her be more competitive, not tie up and beat this person. But yeah, well, I've always said if you're gonna if you want to win a medal at the Olympics, you have to be able to beat Bryce Tucker at the Penn Relays in July. That's just it's part of the the deal. And then she came back later and was gonna pace a teammate um, in the women's mile, but she ended up finishing it and winning it by a lot, 443.21 with a 68.3 last lap. So, you know, I, I think that it's going to be kind of a, a shame if Ajay doesn't medal at the Olympics, given her credentials. I mean, she's really handled this whole thing with intersex athletes with class. For Think about she could have been better all these years about how many medals she's missed out on. Um, but it's kind of a shame if someone as complicated as she is doesn't end up with an Olympic medal. But to be honest, I think it's going to be hard for her. I mean, she could do it, but do either one of you expect her to beat all thing Mo or Raven Rogers? I don't at this point. No, she got beaten by them at the trials, and this isn't the Audrey Wilson of 2018 or 2019 or 2017. Uh, she said she's had some struggles this year. Wouldn't go into detail, but clearly she wasn't the same as she has been the last few years at the trials. 
And there are a lot of good women in other countries. You know, we've got Rosemary Almanza running 156, Natoya Gould running 156. We've got a strong British team with Gemma Riki and Keely Hodgkinson. So I would say at the moment, the odds are against RJ Wilson meddling. But if you get in that final, you know, anything can happen. Okay, and in the sound running Sunset Tour meet, we talked about just at Norris 359, but in the women's mile, again, they had a 1,500 and a mile. Raven Rogers ran it. She finished in second place, 429.26, in a race that was won by Taryn Rawlings of the Under Armour Dark Sky Distance Team in 428.93. Um, so, you know, Raven Rogers coming into the year didn't even have a 1,500-meter PB or a mile PB. So she's running a couple over distance events this year, uh, you know, which is interesting. She had run though. Actually, John, I was thinking about this. This is a significant step up, right? 429. So that's equivalent to like a 409. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like 410 or something and her pre- for 1500 and her previous PB was 414 from earlier this year. So yeah, good, good step, step in the right direction. Uh, I don't really, I'm not going to get like carried away with it, but based on how she ran the trials and this result, it's, it's good news for Raven Rogers. Yeah. I think it's great news because remember back, you know, in the winter, I, I said, I, I wasn't, sh- we, we had to make predictions about whether Othay Mo would make the Olympic team. And I said, you know, she's more of a speed runner. I'm not sure she has the distance to run the rounds, the endurance to run the rounds. So I said, no. And then that weekend she ran the 1500 and when she run, ran four sixteen and won her race in that, the next week I tried to change my pick and I was like, look, this is good enough. She's got good enough endurance. She's going to medal. I mean, she's going to make the Olympic team. And for Raven, I think that someone, again, for someone as fast as she is to be running the equivalent of 409, 410 for the 1500 is a good sign. And I, I think this is very encouraging. And this is why, again, you know, we don't know what I think Mo's been up to since the last month or so, you know, how the workouts have been going, et cetera. But Raven, I think is clearly progressing. She kind of had a slow start to the season, and I would be shocked if she doesn't medal. I don't know if I'd say shocked if she doesn't medal, but I think right now I would I would pick her to medal. What do you think, Weldon? What were her rental chances? I think they're pretty good, but the 800, I mean, I need to see the list. The 800's pretty balanced this year on paper. So I guess, John, would you say, would you be shocked if a thing Mo doesn't medal? She's 19. No, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think she's the favorite to win gold, but I think there are the 800. Yeah, the 800 is an event where so much can happen. Like, there's certainly on the men's side, I don't think there's anyone I would say who would be shocked if they didn't medal. I think the women, I think a thing Mo will medal, but would I be shocked if a 19 year old in her first Olympics doesn't end up meddling? No, I wouldn't. I can't wait till we find some Olympic betting. We're going to have some stuff up on the website about betting, but some betting on the women's 800 because, well, I think Mo has the fastest time of the year this year, right? Yeah. So they probably will put her pretty good odds. But if they don't, I might put a little money on that one. But uh, Raven has really come down a lot, you know, as you guys noted in the mile. Even this is, what, five seconds, essentially probably better than her performance a couple months ago. I think that speaks well for her endurance. She put it together at the trials. I wouldn't think it's crazy to think, I mean, she was a silver medalist last time, that the U.S. could do some serious damage. I think the big question mark really more is now on Ajay. She has such great experience. She did so well with all the intersex women. I really would like to see her to get it together by the Olympics. But 
there's no time to get it together at the Olympics. You know, now it's you just got to put together what you have. Yeah, I think it's cruel. I think she would. I think she kind of missed her window. Like 2016, she didn't make the final because she was in a semi with two intersex women. 2017, she got third behind two intersex women. 2018, she was the best in the world outside of the intersex women. There's no global championship. Then 2019, she she choked in the final. So she choked. Wait, she she choked and got a bronze medal. Yes. She was the heavy favorite. She never lost in the 800, Robert. You talk to her. She's disappointed. She's not happy with that bronze medal. I don't call that a choke job. And I, I think you sold her short in 2016. 2016, she wasn't in the same type of shape that she was in other years. Right? Well, she took the silver at World Indoors. I think she may have... I mean, she may... I don't think at the trials, I think maybe she had an injury or something. But she still... She would have made the final if not for the intersex athletes, Robert. She yeah. was still pretty fit. She could, I think she could have meddled if she was in that final. But the interesting thing here, I mean, about Raven Rogers this year, what I like about her is she, she's got championship experience. She's been able to make it through the rounds pretty well. And her last hundred is so good. We saw it at the US trials. We saw it at the world championships in Doha. Very few women are going, I mean, a thing Mo was able to gap her and she was so far ahead. And if that happens in, you know, if you get a massive gap like that in Tokyo, yeah. Rogers is going to be able to run you down. But I feel pretty like you put Raven Rogers against pretty much anyone in the world over the final hundred meters. I like Raven Rogers odds. The question is how close will she be to the leader coming off that final turn? Because she has, you know, in the past, she's kind of left herself with a lot, a lot of work to do. Certainly in Doha 2019. I'm just very confident in her. I think she's very consistent racer. She's been getting better and better. And I, I think that she's definitely going to medal. You guys, may, you know, we'll talk more about the betting probably next week. I'll probably write a, a betting guy, but it really depends on what website you're on. It's kind of crazy. I'm just looking at stuff right here. One website, Timothy Chariot, DraftKings. I mean, it's just like they're just trying to get sucker people, bets who don't compare odds. He's a minus 400 favorite. So that means 80%. But you go to bwin.com, he's minus 135, which is like 57%. So the odds are just all over the place. Like the, these websites are, are absolutely crazy. So if you do bet, you need to make sure you, you've got decent odds. Otherwise, you're going to lose a lot of money. Um, in, in the long term, but let's talk about the entries, John. The Olympia. El- oh, Robert, one more thing. I just wanted to go back to this angles thing. I know you talked about it, but like this was a cool thing for our sport. This, you know, he sponsors a mustache mile. He says he'll give bonuses to people wearing mustaches. I think the weight when you're waiting beer was only for the winner of the race, which was Isaac Updike. The winner had to break four for the first time, which Isaac Updike did. But I don't know. We we. We have a tendency in our sport. Everything is hyper focused on the Olympics. The only things we're talking about, oh, what what re- events or results had any sort of impact on the Olympics? And I get that the Olympics is the biggest thing in our sport. But I also do think like this is a cool move by you know an athlete. He didn't need to sponsor this event or try to drum up interest in it, but he wants to make the sport more popular. This is a meet that's on national TV, and he made this mile something I cared about. Like when I heard about this mustache mile. And he's giving out bonuses for someone who breaks four for the first time. I was like, I have to watch this race. So I just want to say credit to Craig Engels for drumming up some interest in it. And it produced some pretty cool stories. Isaac Updike, 29 years old, NAIA guy, breaks four minutes for the first time. We knew he could do it because he'd been running well in the steeple. He was fifth at the Olympic trials this year. But he gets under four minutes for the first time. That's a pretty cool story. And then second place, Liam Merrow, hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Liam. I think he works for Nike now. He w- he went to Oklahoma. I think his PR was in college, was 4'10". Kind of soured on the sport. 
Then he starts getting back up to it, starts practicing with the Bowerman Track Club elite team. That's not the pro team. And now, you know, a few year, three years after graduating college with a 410 mile, he's run 359. So I just think props to him for sticking it out. And it's very cool. Without Craig put, setting up this race and giving him the opportunity, maybe he never breaks four. So I just want to say kudos to Jesse Williams, kudos to Craig Engels, and kudos to the athletes, you know, Isaac and Liam for going out there and getting under four. I, I just thought this was a cool event and a way to make something that normally we wouldn't care that much about interesting. I agree with you, John, but maybe we failed a little bit. It's hard to know about this stuff. Like you and I knew about it. Walden hadn't heard about it. I don't think whoever did the homepage that knew about it. We didn't promote it. It's hard to promote it. This is why you need marketing people, you need emails. You know, it's like part of the criticism of the American track league is they think if you put something on ESPN, that just naturally everyone's going to know about it. Like, no, you still have to promote it. You still have to reach out to people to help them promote it. Like I would have loved to have hyped this up more. And I kind of heard about it the last minute, but it's just a little bit difficult on that front. But moving on to the Olympics, since they are next week, the entries are out. And we probably should have written more, an article about this. Um, but again, I, I've sort of said the podcast has replaced sort of the week that was my Monday morning column I used to do. There's some interesting things about these entries. Um, since we just talked about the women's you know, 800, I think that the most interesting thing there and I don't know if anyone's talked about this, but John, you noticed it. So why don't you share it with the people? Well, yeah, I got a, I basically got a DM about this and someone noticed, you know, Ethiopian athletics federation has tweeted out the, because they, they entered four in every event. You can do that. Three athletes who are running and then alternate and the Ethiopian athletics federation has sort of a, there's a tweet, Emily Evans, like we can link to it in the show note. She's a close follower of Kenyan running. And she said, this is the EAF. They listed all their entries for everyone in every event. And this woman, the winner of the Ethiopian trials, you may remember, Wakuha Getachu. She ran 156. No one had ever heard of her. It was a huge breakthrough. And she made it look pretty easy. And I came away from that thinking she's an Olympic medal threat. She's not listed in the Federation's lineup in the 800 meters and she is entered she's listed the entries so it doesn't mean she's totally not running but i think this eaf lineup is what we're going off of for the entries she's not in there i think there's some speculation could this be a dsd case because that has happened with some other athletes the namibians who started running very fast this year uh but if she's if she's in there i think she's a threat for the gold and if she's not which it appears so then you know that that opens up a spot on the podium yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on here, but her story was so incredibly weird. And again, one of the Rojo axioms in life is if something seems too good to be true in track and field, it normally is too good to be true. So this is a 25-year-old that no one had ever heard of. She has no results at all until Estopcha until 2020 when her PRs were 202 and 420. She goes to the trials and runs an Ethiopian national record of 156.67. So I, I think that the logical explanation is if she doesn't run, is either she is, John likes to say DSD. I like to say intersex because people don't know what DSD is. Um, or I guess you could go even more sinister than that and say she was pop for a performance enhancing drug. But I think we would have heard about that if that was the case. Well, they wouldn't, the Olympics wouldn't, they wouldn't allow you to be entered if you were, I mean, yeah, it would be published that there was some provisional suspension or something. She's, she's entered in the Olympics, but again, it doesn't, 
appear as if she's going to be running based on what the Federation is saying. So that's big news. Um, the other big news for the Americans and for fans of Emma Coburn is the world's best steeplechaser, in my mind, at least this year, Nora Tanui, the Doha winner, 9 flat point six seven. She's not entered. Not a total surprise because she has a run. She's Kenyan, Kenyan-born, or she was Kenyan, but she's Kenyan-born. Um, but she hasn't run the Kenyan trials in a number of years. She's trying to get citizenship. Actually, John, you have an update. She is a citizen now of another country, but they wouldn't let her switch the allegiance. Yeah, so here's the, this isn't news, Robert. We knew she wasn't going to be at the Olympics. We've been talking about this for months on the podcast. But one, we do have an update. I promised you last week I'd reach out to her agent, Johnny, Johnny Demadonna. And I did that. And I essentially said, you know, why hasn't she been running the Kenyan trials? Does she have Kazakhstan citizenship? Is she ever going to be allowed to run for Kazakhstan? And he explained to me, Nora Gerudo, Daisy Jepkeme, Caroline Kipkarui, and Shadrach Koech are all citizens of Kazakhstan since December 2018 when they received their passport, which is the only passport they have. They don't have Kenyan passports anymore. Um, but he said, World Athletics doesn't recognize it because of the new rules that they instituted on cha- transfers of allegiance. They're not going to recognize their citizenship until January 2022, they hope, Johnny says. And then he further explains when they compete, they're listed as Kenyan in these races, but they have nothing to do with Kenya. When they organize a visa or they're flying into a hotel for these races, they use their Kazakhstan passport because, again, that's the only one they had. He said, it's an absolutely absurd situation because if I can understand that they cannot represent Kazakhstan at the World Championships or Olympics, I cannot understand why a citizen of Kazakhstan cannot represent his or her nation at a, you know, a trap meet or road races. So Johnny Demadonna basically said he didn't think World Athletics is handling this uh, in the correct way. And he said, in fact, to stay in Kenya right now, they need to get a special permit. So he's hoping that by next year, they will be cleared to compete for Kazakhstan. But right now, they can't compete for anyone. Yeah, it's weird. Like, you look them up on World Athletics, they're listed as Kenyan, even though they're not competed at the Kazakhstan Indoor Championships. So, I mean, hell, if we're supposed to identify someone by the gender they want to be instead of the sex they are in sports, shouldn't we respect the country they actually have a passport for? Like, when Nora Jaruda runs, she's from Kazakhstan. She's not a Kenyan citizen anymore. She can't represent Kenya anymore, so it's fine. They should say Kazakhstan, but not eligible for the Olympics. I mean, because that's what she is now. We may not like the rules. We may not like people switching allegiance for people think financial reasons or whatever, but that's the choice she's made. She can't run for Kenya anymore. She gave up her Kenyan passport. So she's not Kenyan anymore. I mean, she's of Kenyan heritage. She's a Kenyan, would you say Kenyan Kazaki? Kenyan Kazakh? Or is it Kazakh? I can't even remember. We've got to remember the entire reason why World Athletics instituted these transfer rules is because there are a number of athletes who were being transfer who were changing their allegiance at a young age, many of them from East Africa, to compete for countries like Bahrain or Turkey. Um, in this instance, Kazakhstan. Though I think some of these athletes that are, you know they're not that young, but they basically you know I think this was because some of these athletes were dominating the European championships and also they the worries that there was opportunities for abuse if someone is be making a life altering decision when they're you know 18 or 19 years old that's going to stick with them so 
that is the reason sort of behind this. And then also like there are some people who they're, you know, Turkish in name only, but they're still based in, in Kenya. So that's sort of the thinking behind that. And that's, but at this point, most of these athletes, I mean, I certainly Nora Gerudo has, stu- has been sitting out of championships for a number of years. She certainly does seem committed to running for Kazakhstan. I know, I don't know how many times she's been to Kazakhstan. I don't know if she's getting a financial benefit from this. I would assume so. But at some point, you've got to say, okay, do, let the, she's one of the best steeplers in the world. She has to be able to compete again at some point. Hopefully, it's 2022. Well, she can compete, John. She can compete in the Diamond League. She just can't compete in the championships. That's the way it works. I don't have a problem with that. I hope she got paid a shitload of money because there's a chance she may not even be able to live in Kenya uh, again. So did you ask the agent what are her connections to Kazakhstan? That Anything about that? Like, she's not my stereotypical Kazakhstan person, but does she have any connections to the country? I didn't ask about that. Uh, but I do think it's interesting. Like, one of the reasons you would assume that Kazakhstan wants her to compete for them is that she can win medals for them in Asian championships. And I think Kazakhstan's in the Asian Federation, right? And at world championships with Kazakhstan on her chest. And she's not getting the opportunity to do that right now because world athletics hasn't approved her transfer of allegiance. So Kazakhstan, they're probably wondering what they're getting out of this deal as well. Well, the rules were the rules. They knew the rules when she switched. So it's not like they changed the rules after she switched, right? I'm I'm actually not certain because the rules were changed in the last the last it was fa- changed fairly recently and it said she was been a Kazakhstan citizen since December 2018 so I'm not I'm not actually certain on the timeline I'd have to do a little bit more digging on that. Okay, enough Kazaki talk. One last thing. I want to know where she's living. She's living in Kazakhstan. I think she should be running for them. You know, one thing is Kazakhstan is, you know, she could be Muslim. If she's Muslim, maybe she wants to live in, live there because it's 70% Muslim. So maybe she feels more comfortable there. Anyways, and these entries, the other thing I noticed is I went through the Ethiopian entries to see if they were allowing any of the doubles because they said they weren't going to have the doubles. And I can confirm this is, is news for, you know, Ellie Perrier fans. Gudov Sagai is not entered in the 1500. She will not be running the 1500. She is entered in the five and the 10, but I think the thought is she's the alternate in the 10,000 meters. But um, and for the women, which one is first, John? The women in the 5,000 meters is first at the Olympics. So if she wins, though, the 5,000, do you think there'll be some impetus for them to push for her to come back in the 10,000? So if you're a 10,000 runner, I would be a little bit worried about that, but she will not be running the 1500. That is known. Also, Safana Sun has entered all three as we expected. That is official. That doesn't mean she's going to run all three because there's no honest effort rule, so she could drop out of any of those. But those are kind of the the, the big things that I noticed. Oh, one other thing. On the men's side, Tawafik McCluthy, what has he won? Three Olympic medals, John? Am I right about that? That's correct. He is entered, the Algerian. Um, he hasn't raced in a while. Let me pull up his stats here. He's in the men's 15. Yeah, Robert, he's his race, his Tilsapaya page is absurd. Okay. He's got results 2016. He ran pretty much a full season and he won. He got the silver in the 1500 and the 800 in Rio. He has no results at all listed for 2017 or 2018. 2019, he runs a few races and then gets the silver in the world championships in the 1500. 2020, zero races. 2021, zero races. 
but he's entered the Olympics. And I don't know about you, I'm not counting out Olympic year McCluffy. This guy shows up for the major championships and performs. There are a lot of questions because that's basically the only thing he shows up for. But if he's entered, this guy's a potential medalist. That's true. But in 2016, John, he, you know, we, we, he kind of like started running late, like at the end of May, but he at least ran three 800s. People, I remember being surprised at the time, like, oh, he's kind of, he is going to do the Olympics. And he ran three 800s and three 500s. This year, he's done absolutely nothing. I mean, he hasn't even raced at all in 2020, 2021. So it would shock me. Well, it wouldn't shock me, but I would be very surprised if he was able to pull it off again. And of course, he's, is the 2012 Olympic champion. So he's one of the greatest. Middle with Kiprop Band. Well, I mean, he's really one of the greatest middle distance runners if you think in terms of Olympic credentials. Uh, probably the greatest, right, of this generation. Well, I mean, yeah, Centro got the gold in 2016 and fourth in 2012. Uh, but yeah, silver and gold back to back Olympics. That's and you know just Olympics. Yeah, it's pretty great. Another silver in 2019. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people have questions about McCluffy because remember they found there was some there was a French like training camp and I think Jimmy Gressier was it found sort of I think it was described as like doping paraphernalia. That thing was that situation was never adequately resolved in my I don't remember ever hearing McCluffy being sanctioned for anything or anything coming from that. But they found equipment in his bag in France that suggested he might have been taking drugs. So there have been questions about McCluffy ever since his dominant win at the 2012 Olympics, and those questions only intensified after that news, but I don't remember hearing any updates since then. How dare you, John? This incident happened at a French training center, an official training center. Nothing came of it because he was not prosecuted, John. How dare you? Didn't make any excuses. Didn't say anything about burritos or anything. I mean, that's the thing with this doping stuff. People are very suspicious of McCluffy, but nothing, nothing's ever been proven. So that's a part of the sport. You just got to believe what you got to believe. Yeah. Also, McCluffy used to be coached by Jama Arden. Remember that? And uh, Robert, who Robert has defended, there's nothing suspicious about Jama Arden. Like, well, I thought, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of smoke about Arden and McCluffy. Let's just be honest. There is smoke, and I thought I told you to ask Athletics Integrity Union about the John Madden case, so please get an update on that. I'm looking at the show notes here, John. It does say you have an update on Hassan from her coach. Is that correct? Yeah. So, well, it's a kind of non-update update, but I do. I got a couple of quotes from Tim Robry. So I asked him, you know, just to get on the record, which events is she running in Tokyo? And she is not going to be making this decision public until the very last minute. She wants her rivals to worry about it, to stew, which I think is great. I like the gamesmanship. As a media member, it makes previewing the events a little harder. Certainly it makes betting the events a little harder. But I do like that she's playing mind games here. And then I kind of followed up. I was like, okay, I get that you're not going to reveal her events, but like, is the triple still on the table or is she only committed to two? And... He said, any combinations possible, I can honestly say we won't decide until the last possible moment. In the end, it will be Safan's decision, just like her last-minute decision in Doha. My goal is to prepare her to succeed in any combination, but leave the final decision to where she feels most confident. Her decision was unpredictable before Doha too. I actually did unreleased video interviews before the meet because we had to cover both scenarios, the 5K, 10K double, or 1500, 10K double. Uh, what he did say about 
this year's Olympics is if she decided to do the 5K 15, there will be no reason not to run the 10K because it's after the finals of both of those events. So he said, well, I guess no reason barring exhaustion. He did note. So the triple, he didn't rule it out. It's still on the table. I'd love to see it, uh, but we got to wait and see until you know next week for a final decision. So she's definitely doing the 10K. I mean, regardless. So it depends on whether she does the 5 and the 15 or just the 5 and just the 15. I mean, that's my takeaway there. She said, Robert, don't go get me crazy. He said there's no reason she wouldn't do the 10K if she he did the other two. The 10K is last. So she's doing the 10K, barring something else. Barring, yeah, barring total exhaustion. If she does the 15 and 5 and just to- feels totally exhausted, she won't do the 10. But the other combinations would be the 15-10 or the 5-10. So it seems like the 10K is probably going to be part of her plans no matter what. Yes, that's that's accurate, Weldon, barring exhaustion. Stefan, please do the 15-5-10. It would be epic. And it would be even kind of cool if she didn't win the gold in the first two, 15 and the 5, because the 5 to me is loaded, right? Isn't that a little bit more loaded than the 10? Am I wrong about that? I guess you got the world record holder in the 10K. What, how's the five loaded? I don't, I mean, Sagai's in there. Who else? How? Beery, I think there's three. Fi- there, there, how is the five loaded? There was three Ethiopian women that broke 14, 15 in the same damn race. John, the world record as of last year was 14, 11. How is it loaded? There's three Ethiopian studs in it. I mean, I just, who's in the 10? I just, who's in the 10? The world record holder, Latessa and Gide. Yeah. Besides her. I think that, doesn't matter. She beating Gide is going to be harder to beat than three Ethiopians. So I'm pretty sure that Safan Hassan is better than. You think- Which event is harder to win, Robert? Which one do you think is harder to win? Fresh. The five thousand. Disagree. No. Sege's got the wheel. She's got the kick that can be, that can beat her. Gide doesn't have the kick that can beat her. I think the five thousand is the harder event to win, particularly if it's coming right after the, right after the fifteen hundred. Oh, that's actually a good point, Robert, because we did see Hassan just destroyed Gide in the 2019 Worlds. I think Gide's better now, but she'd have to drop Hassan. Mm. Yeah, maybe you are right. Thank you, thank you. Feels so good to get that. Both really hard to win, but... I mean, Gide, yeah, Gide's the world record holder. I I think, actually, you might be right there, Robert. The 5K's harder to win. Thank you. That felt so good to get him to admit that I was right. But, folks... Stefan, I mean, a lot of prominent pros listen to this podcast. Please, if you're listening, please go. It's not just about winning. So many people in life are afraid of losing. There's nothing wrong with losing. We need to teach people to lose. If you get second place in the 1500, you're not losing. So please do the 15, the 5, and the 10, the triple. And it would be such a cool story if she actually loses the first two and wins the third. but Or wins all three or whatever. Although I really want Faith Kippy Agon. I, I like her. I want her to win a goal, too. But it's kind of sad because there's not enough gold medals to go because I feel like Kipiega deserves another gold. Hassan definitely deserves at least one. Sige is so good, and and Gide is so good. So there's four women that deserve gold medals, and only three can win on my max. Yeah, what if what if it just ended up one woman hogs all the medals and Hassan wins all the gold? I mean, that would be pretty crazy, but I don't think she's winning the 1,500. One other thing that just sort of popped into mind, I meant to bring it up earlier when we're talking about Josette Norris, you know, the doping and the, and the questions about things. But there was an interesting thread on there sort of comparing on the message board, and I'll link to it in the show notes. You know, it's like Houlihan test positive, and then people after the fact are like, look at her improvement, it's suspicious. Nobody at the time was saying this is suspicious. I mean, if you basically, if you think that Houlihan, 
I was talking to a, a top, top coach about this. If you think that Houlihan's dirty because of her improvement, then you must also think that Ellie Perry is dirty because they were similar collegiate careers, you know, similar credentials coming out of college. They both improved a lot. They're both are very good now. But th- there was an interesting thing like comparing the improvement of Josette Norris, cuts here, the Spaniard, as well as um, Houlihan. So, you know, I don't think I, – I think that, you know, the, it's not necessarily just the time improvement that makes things suspicious. It's like part of it is where you're from, whether you've been in the testing pool, out of competition testing pool for the last year or two, and sort of who your coaches are, who your agents are, all of it plays together. It is a complicated mess. Yeah, and also, like, let's not pretend Katia and Josette Norris are on the same level. Josette Norris, Josette Norris didn't even make the U.S. Olympic team. Katia went from basically a nobody to one of the 10 fastest 1,500 runners of all time. So their improvements, they've both improved massively in 2021, but it's one thing to be one of, like, you know, 10 Americans have broken four in the 1,500. Spain, a Spanish guy ranked 328. I mean, I think Cacho did it, but... It's it's a lot. He's at a lot higher level than Josette Norris. Good point, John. Someone on the message board said, you know, this guy's within two seconds of the world record in the fifteen hundred. You know, Josette Norris is basically ten seconds away. That's crazy. Just shows how fast the women are running because sub four used to be a big deal for the women, and you could just be so far away from the world record. Super shoes, super shoes, man. All right, do we have anything else this week, guys? I feel like. You know, everyone's getting ready for the Olympics. There weren't any sort of major... Well, I guess there was a whereabouts failure case today. Alex Quinones of Ecuador, the bronze medalist of the 200 meters, the 2019 Worlds. Is there anything else? Yes. A, we need to talk about this. And then B, we've got the big segment. We've got to bring on the segment that the fans are demanding every week, the social media segment with intern Carl, because he's got some fascinating stuff about... Josh Kerr, not the fake Josh Kerr, the real Josh Kerr, talking shit about Matthew Sintowitz. And it's starting to make me wonder, is there any chance the fake Josh Kerr is the real Josh Kerr? We'll, we will discuss that in a minute. Yeah, that's a, that was a very entertaining segment, so stay tuned for this. But Robert, you want to ask – so I'm guessing you I, this news just broke this morning. Some might even say it was breaking news. Uh Quinones won't be at the Olympics. And it was a whereabouts case. We've seen a lot of these now. He's the third sprint medalist from 2019 to be banned for the Olympics for whereabouts violations, adding to his name to the list of Salwa Ayanata and Christian Coleman. And what I thought was interesting about this case is what happened. His agent, Alberto Suarez, is handles all of his whereabouts information. And we saw this with Sal Nasser. Her agent is the one who updates her whereabouts. It's not done by her herself. And so his agent thought he had updated his whereabouts for May of 2021, which would have been, this was, he's already had two strikes from 2020. And he, his agent gets a call in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. in Madrid. And it's some tester in Florida. It's a Florida number trying to find Canones for a drug test. And the agent immediately is like, shit. I thought I changed his location from Florida to Portugal because he was going to be training in Portugal for the lead up to the Olympics. He goes immediately looks at the whereabouts website, sees that he didn't actually change it. Or if the website didn't update for some reason, lists him in the wrong spot. 
And then this full, the AIU decision is out. And it's actually really interesting to read because his agent takes total responsibility. He says, Alex is totally innocent. I'm the only one to blame. And he went so bad. So He felt so badly that he went to the Spanish Athletics Federation and asked them to ban his license forever. Because he said, quote, I never cannot, I can, this is a little, uh, it's, you know, translated, but he said, I never cannot live with the guilty conscience of ruining the life of an innocent person. So this agent feels terrible. It, it does seem like, a, you know, an honest mistake. Sorry. It's the agent made a mistake. It doesn't seem like the athlete did anything wrong, but because the athlete, Alex Quinones, is ultimately responsible for his whereabouts information, he was handed a ban. They reduced it from two years down to one. But the big lessons to me from this is, one, if you're an athlete, you need to be doing your own whereabouts. You can't, I mean, I know your agent, his duty is, professional duty is taking care of you, but I just don't put it in someone else's hands. If you screw up, you want it to be you and not anyone else's fault. And second, if you get two strikes, you need to be more vigilant. How many athletes have we seen? They get two strikes and then they don't do anything more serious. Like Gabby Thomas, when she got two strikes, she hired, she was basically like, was recording the outside of her door during her window every day to make sure that she didn't get that third test, third, uh, third missed test. And we've seen so many athletes, they get two strikes. Oh, come they on, don't John. Anything. Gabby Thomas wasn't doing that. She missed a third test in New Haven. Okay, but after, I'm saying after that, she hired that. That's, that's a fair point. But after that, she then started recording her, you know, her front door every day for an hour. So, okay, maybe she learned the hard way. Well, that's an interesting way to do it, by the way. Okay. First of all, this story is amazing. What's this agent's name? He's my hero of the week. It's Alberto Suarez is his name. Congrats to him. We don't ever see anyone take take it. I mean, I guess cynics would say he's taking the fall for a dirty athlete, but this guy medaled at like 31. He'd been grinding it out for all these years. And I don't know if we've said who he is. Alex Canones, the bronze medalist in the 2019 World's 200. I'm not sure if we mentioned Robert, him or not. I mentioned his name like five times. People don't know who Alex Canones is. So if you don't say his credentials, they might not know who he is. Anyways, 19.87. So this guy takes, I think it's amazing. I almost feel like they should just let him off for that. But you said that the athletes should be in charge of this. I disagree. We've A lot of these athletes have proven themselves incapable. They do not have, I don't know what to say, the discipline, the secretarial skills to do this. So I've said that agents need to be taking a lead role for some of these athletes. If these athletes are incompetent, you know, if they're not good students, if they're not organized, whatever, the agents should be taking the lead. Yes. It's, it's a dual thing. They should both be doing it. And when you're on sitting on two strikes, there should be like text messages. Why can't the AIU actually proactively text you? Like, here's your thing. Or is this correct? Like there should be note about this. People have, they to- have the, Robert that's in place that exists. Like if it's I, certainly for American athletes, you can sign up for a daily text message saying your whereabouts sis, is blank for today. Is this, is this correct? Like reminding you of that, that, that program exists. Well then in some level, we've got to stop making excuses and it's like going forward. They need to tell them what you can eat. If you should even bother to eat with a food truck, avoid that. And then, you know, no more excuses. Everything should be videotaped. I like this Gabby Thomas thing. Videotape yourself during that hour and the testers videotape themselves during that hour and then we won't have any excuses because this is getting old. I'm sure people want to get, they're trying to get ready for the Olympics and we're spending 20 minutes talking about Alex is being banned from the sport. So the agent's out of a job? Hope he's got something on the side. Maybe a Spanish agent has other, like he does soccer on the side. Speaking of soccer, everyone, there's a great uh, new documentary out on 
Amazon Prime on Crystal Palace. Great. And it's about the year we beat John's team to make it to the Premier League. I haven't gotten to that part yet, but everyone please watch that. A little bit of a shorter podcast this week because the Tokyo coverage will be kicking off in full force. We'll be having a special podcast come out this week with Jake Riley, the On Olympic Marathoner. The Road to the Trials was sponsored by On, and we're having a little of the Road to Tokyo with On as well. But hey, what's it like? What you know? If you think John's worried about getting COVID, imagine you're competing in your in the Olympics. You've trained your whole life to make the Olympics. Probably freaking out about making sure he doesn't show up and have to miss the Olympics because of COVID. And he was super hot last. Yeah, did you guys see this? Jake was super hot on Let's Run yesterday. I don't know. You know, somebody analyzed his Strava or something. Said they're worried about his training. So we'll hear about that. That'll be coming up in a few days. But folks, if you like this podcast, I'm sure you'd like to have a bonus podcast. Every Friday, we do the Friday 15 for our VIP subscribers. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. You need to sign up now because during the Olympics, we'll be doing daily podcasts where we break down that day's action or that night's action, depending on where you are, and get you ready for the next day. So we'll have blowout coverage from Tokyo exclusive to the subscribers. Let'srun.com slash subscribe. Again, the Jake Riley interview will be coming up in a few days. But right now, we're going to end the show with the social media segment with our intern, Carl. And folks, now it's time for our weekly social media update with the world's fastest intern. The only intern in the world that's beaten Nigel Amos in a race this year. Carl Winter, welcome back to the show, Carl. How was your weekend? I apologize. I, I broached it on the Friday 15 bonus podcast with the VIP subscribers that we should fly you to Philadelphia to race Ajay Wilson. You could have been the only person in the world to beat an Olympic medalist on the men's and women's side, but I didn't want to spend the money. But in hindsight, I wish I had. Do you think, Carl, you would have had a 157 in you, even though you've been training for the half marathon? Yes, I, I think I could have had a chance. I said on the Friday 15, I thought I could rip 156 or 155 without training. I think that was a little bit ambitious. That's pretty difficult to do with doing absolutely no speed training for several months. But I don't know. I've ran 151. I think I could have maybe edged her at the line. It would have hurt a lot. But uh, I saw the result 157.8. She competed. I, I thought I would have had a chance. I don't know. Maybe if I had flown out the day of, though, that would have been a little bit of a difficult turnaround. But uh, I certainly would have given it a shot, and I think I could have done it. Now, what about your half marathon? Fans want to know you had a half marathon this weekend. How did it go? What was the time? What were you shooting for? Oh, it wasn't great, actually. It turned into more of a 10-mile tempo and a three-mile cool down. Uh, it was pretty toasty out there. It was like 75 degrees. Uh, but, you know, I went 545 pace for about 10 miles, and then I kind of shut it down after that. I ended up running about 118, so it wasn't great. I, I wish I would have been running uh, an 800, uh, rather than the half marathon, but got a good workout out of it. It was just for fun. There was some good crowd there. So it was enjoyable. I hadn't run a real road race in several years. So it was a good time. That was all I wanted. Yeah. Carl, if you've only run 151, you got to get faster. You got to get stronger. If you're going to win the NCAA title next year, we, we need improvement in both areas, both areas. I'm your new pseudo coach, mental coach. But I'm confident you would have had Ajay. But with all these athletes, you know, getting COVID and whatnot, it's probably best not travel across the country. 
if you given her the Delta variant right before she flew off to Tokyo, wouldn't have been good. Yeah, that's a good call. I, I think I've got a sub 150 in me, but we'll worry about that come track season, hopefully faster than that. And yeah, actually here in LA County, we have to wear masks inside again. So that's a little bit different. Uh, so don't tell my school that I'm not wearing one as we record this. Uh-oh. Don't tell Robert that. Don't get him started. It's weird because Robert's like way more cautious on COVID and his lifestyle than me, but I think he'd love to rant about requiring masks again indoors. Please don't give him the opportunity. We don't need a rant here. Well, then. Not recommended by the CDC. Not rec- so how, either, That's the whole point. All these experts, you know. But the experts say, hey, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask indoors. I know John doesn't want me to go into COVID, but John, but by the time the podcast listeners are hearing this show, I probably will have published an article on COVID and Cole Hawker, which leads me to invade your medical privacy. Carl, I'm curious. There's been some controversy in the last week about whether Cole Hawker is vaccinated. And in my column, I've said, if I was him, there was be no ch- if I was his medical doctor or coach, there is no chance I would have had him vaccinated. There's very little chance I would have recommended that he be vaccinated by this point, particularly since he's already had COVID this spring. He's got the antibodies in him. And let's be honest, if we're following the science, if we're following the data, we would be urging all America, we would be not allowing any young American under the age of 30 that's healthy to be vaccinated until the world's elderly were vaccinated. There's hundreds of millions of senior citizens across the globe that are dying because of COVID because they haven't been vaccinated. And yet we, we want one of the fittest Americans in the world, a 20 year old superstar to be vaccinated. So have you been vaccinated, Carl? Can I ask that? Is that a- yeah, I will disclose my medical privacy to you and say that I have. I've gotten both doses. Actually, another cool thing that LA County actually did is they gave us these virtual vaccine cards. If you're listening to the podcast, you obviously can't see it. Um, But we have virtual vaccine cards, which is nice. But I also have asthma a little bit minor. So some more medical information for you. So I was worried. I was more worried about getting COVID than I was about getting vaccinated. And the vaccine didn't cause any issues at all. But I know that athletes were in season. I think that it was a valid concern that if you were in season getting vaccinated, you know, it could hurt your training a little bit. But, you know, I'd say that getting COVID could probably hurt your training worse. So it's kind of a give and take. And I'm certainly not here to give any uh, advice about that during his season. I don't want to get emails. I don't want to get one negative source. I am pro-vaccine. I got vaccinated the first day. I actually had a huge argument with a friend of mine who's under the age of 35 about how he should be vaccinated this week. But I just think in this situation, this is someone that's trying to qualify for the Olympics. He's already gotten COVID. He's got the antibodies. And I'm curious, Carl, when did you do it? In Did you get it during during the season or after the season was over? Because I was looking at the actual schedule for Cole Hawker, and they, didn't, they weren't going to let people his age get vaccinated until May 1st. Then they moved it up to April 19th. But at April 19th, to me, as a coach and as a doctor, you don't know what the ramifications are going to be. It's too close to Pac-12, too close to NCAAs, too close to the Olympic trials. So maybe after the Olympic trials, I would have done it if I was him, like the day after. But up till then, definitely not, particularly since he's already had COVID. When did you? When were you able to fit it in? Now, you're, maybe you're a different case because you have the asthma. You wanna, you're willing to miss a half week of training in case that there are complications. So when did you do it? Yeah, the timing was difficult. I got my second dose on April 14th, which was, I think, a Tuesday. Had a race that weekend. I think that was the 800 that I ran 151 in. But I kind of just had to roll the dice and say, hopefully this doesn't set me out. And I didn't miss even a day. I felt, you know, didn't feel great one morning, but that was it. But, you know, I had teammates that got a different vaccine that were 
a little more affected by it, but we all kind of just tried to schedule it where it wouldn't conflict with a race and hope for the best. And I don't think anybody on my team, at least that did decide to get vaccinated had any issues that caused them to miss more than a day or two of training. But again, that's not everybody's situation. Best news I heard from all of this is that Carl has asthma. You know how many athletes are trying to flunk that asthma test? So they get on that, get on that stuff. That's a quasi joke, but what wasn't like half the NOP diagnosed with asthma? I have to report that. Friend, friend of Letron.com, Paul Radcliffe, asthma. You know, some people legitimately have asthma. Okay, folks, again, for the record, I am very much pro-vaccine. I just think this Cole Hawker vitriol to him from these people is absurd. He's got the antibodies. We need to vaccinate the world. If we're really going to follow the science and the data, we'd be vaccinating the rest of the world's senior citizens before we even dreamed of vaccinating someone like him. All right, Carl, enough talk of you and COVID. What do we have on the social media front this week? Let's talk about Cole Hawker's event, and we we often have the fake Josh Kerr on this podcast, so let's talk about the real Josh Kerr and the things he has to say, which are also a lot of fun, much like the fake Josh Kerr. Uh, Weldon, I don't know if we want to run the audio, but Josh Kerr was on his own podcast, which is called Sit and Kick. He hosts it with David Ribich, uh, and they did a bonus episode pre-Olympics, and he talked about his run at the British Trials, and Ribich talked about his run at the American Trials. But he had some fun things to say, took some shots at the Americans, which he admitted that he enjoys doing. Uh, but I think that Josh Kerr, you know, should, is not to be messed with in Tokyo. And he basically had that to express. Do we want to run the audio? Yeah, let's run it. I think I got the right clip here. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I was I was hoping he got selected because I, I genuinely believe I can beat him. Um, and also him being in the race keeps it from a couple of a couple of uh, nobodies winning the Olympic Olympic final in 350. Um, and that's just not really how it should be run this year. Wow. Yeah. So he was asked, he was asked if, uh, if he was happy about Chariot getting selected Kenyan team and he takes a shot at Centro in there, says it sent Chariot being in there keeps it from a couple of nobodies winning the Olympic final in 350. And he went on to say, he doesn't think, anybody's going to run away with that race this year. No chariot or Ingebrigtsen can take it out hard and people like himself will go with them. Uh, he likes poking fun of at Americans, but he makes some interesting points that, you know, it, it could be a very solid race between the Americans, the Brits, the Kenyans and the Aussies. Well, I enjoyed hearing that clip and Josh Kerr, he said on the, po- I listened to that podcast. It's quite a good one actually. And he said he enjoys kind of poking fun at people, but he has a lot of respect for Centro. You know, he doesn't, he said in the past, like he doesn't mean to, you know, he, this is all in good fun, but anyone who knows Centro knows that he has pretty thin skin when it comes to this social media stuff. So I'm hoping he hears this clip. Cause I just can't wait to see, we saw how he was not happy about Craig Engels. So joking on social media. And then, you know, he had a couple of posts on Instagram about that. I would love to see Centro's reaction to hearing that clip and that, you know, a couple of nobodies winning the Olympic final in 350. What do you mean you hope he hears it? We, we should make sure that he hears it. We should tweet this out. This is insane. This is the trash talk that we need in the sport. He just called the reigning Olympic champion a couple of nobodies and said that he wants Timothy Chariot, the world's fastest 1,500-meter runner in the game so that he can beat him down and that nobody can run away from him. So he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. This is going to be epic. 
How awesome would it be though if he goes to Tokyo and Josh Kerr wins? He just backs up all the trash talk and you know does the sort of the gladiator you not entertain pose. I think that would be fascinating, but it's a load. It's a really odd race to win. There's some really good guys in that field. Do we think the fake Josh Kerr could be the real Josh Kerr? Wow. Has anyone ever thought that? Next level thinking. Well then. Well, and I got a text from him saying he loves the shoes. Well, Brooks are athletes are allowed to wear whatever they want, though, right? So maybe these, maybe he just wants to wear the on shoes. When John and I are in Tokyo, I don't know if we'll be allowed to go over to the warm up track. We can try to see what shoes he's warming up. You guys mentioned letting Centro know. Actually, he posted a picture on his Instagram story the other day of just a Jaguar, I think. So I DM'd him this quote because I had already written it out. I DM'd him this quote from Josh Kerr and he hasn't seen it yet. So maybe we need to put it on our own Let's Run channels to make sure that he sees it because I, I bet that it will elicit a response. Um, but either way, I'm excited about Josh Kerr in the 1500. I, you know, I like the guy cause he's kind of like me. He's really big. Somebody on a message board called him like, is he the best chubby 1500 runner of all time or something like that? Uh, but I, I was excited about his performance at the British trials. He closed in 51 or something in a 340 race, which is, you know, you can compare that to closing in 50 in a 350 race. So I think he'll, he will be ready one way or another, no matter how the race goes in Tokyo and, I'm sure we'll we'll break down that race as it comes, but it should be exciting. Josh Kerr, though, this guy's got a 331.5 PR. Does he really want a 328-329 race? Now, maybe that PR was that PR was definitely set not in super shoes. So maybe that automatically makes him about a 329 runner, and he's gotten better. So wait, are, was Josh Kerr now like a 327 guy? I mean, <laughs> look out, El Garouche. I would say, look, he they had this race in 2019. He was in the 2019 World Championship final. Chariot took it out hard. No one really went with him. Josh Kerr included. Josh was sixth in 332. He clearly thinks he's a lot better runner than he was two years ago, but it kind of still, like, it remains to be seen. Chariot basically took it out and just ran away from everyone in 2019. Has anything changed in a global final? I mean... You can talk about you can talk big about this stuff, but until we actually see it in Tokyo, you never know, you know, in the heat of the moment what's going to happen. But Kerr is committed at this point to going with him. So if Chariot makes that strategy, I expect to see Kerr, you know, right there on his shoulder. Yeah, I think at the Olympics, for sure, even Centrowitz, I think, tries to go. He's already got the gold medal. What does Centro have to lose? Whereas you know, at Worlds, some of these guys I don't think were as fit. Chariot was a level above them. Now, Super Shoes, Chariot seems like half a level of what it used to be. You know, a little, you see, we, we're not. Wait, what are you talking about? He just PR'd in Monaco. Super Shoes, John, Super Shoes. He had Super Shoes in 2019, didn't he? Okay, fine. I guess you're right. Do you think Chariot's better than he was? I don't know. He got fourth at the Kenyan Trials. Yeah, other than that, he hasn't lost... He's won like 20 of his last 22 races or something. I think his personal... His previous personal best in the 1500... Yeah, it was 328 last year in Super Shoes. Oh, sorry. No, no, no it was 328.41 in 2018. I think that was pre-Super Shoes. And then this year, he ran 328.28 in Super Shoes. But yeah, I mean, he he looked just as good as Monaco in Monaco as he has the past three or four years he had a bad race of the Kenyan trials that's kind of basically what i see all right enough josh kerr podcast 
talk. He's got his own podcast. Fake Josh Kerr calls in all the time. Carl, what else you got for us? Well, we talked about Usain Bolt last week, and I'm sure he'll come up more and more as we approach the game since he's noticeably absent from them. But there's been a couple of articles this week. He's done a couple of uh, interviews with British newspapers and said some interesting things. And Ben Bloom wrote an article in The Telegraph that said, you know, five years since Bolt has retired and he hasn't really done much in the sport. You know, he's done things in other sports. And now he's doing articles, you know, talking about the super spikes in sprints and saying that he could have run under 9.5 in the 100 with super spikes. And I just think it's interesting that Bolt hasn't really been an ambassador for the sport since he's retired. And, you know, we want to see more of him promoting the Olympics, which he has. He's, you know, he's given credit where it's due to the current crop of sprinters. But he is saying that he could have run faster if he had today's spike technology. And then he thinks it, you know, some of the fast times today are due to that spike technology. And yet, all of that being said, still nobody has come anywhere near his times. So I don't know. I guess my question to you guys would be, what do you want to see from Bolt? Does he have a duty to kind of be an ambassador for the sport now that he's retired and you know will the 100 in tokyo still have as much hype without a guy like him i don't think it'll have quite as much hype as normal but uh, you know john and i have published a, a sort of casual fan sports uh, guide to the olympic tracking field action where we you should share it with your friends and family by the way it's up on the website it's you know people who are kind of into track or sports but they like to follow track during the olympics don't really know what's going on we've got the key storylines and we put the men's 100 is definitely one of the races you want to watch i mean the race sells itself as i said it's kind of like the super bowl it doesn't really matter who's in the final or who's in the super bowl you've got to watch this race who's the fastest human on the planet so i think it will be a marquee matchup it's going to be you know must see 10 seconds. It's one of the best 10 seconds in, in all of sports. But to me, this bolt thing, th- these quotes about the super shoes, I just think he's uninformed. You know, he called it laughable that they're allowed to be used and, and says it's unfair. But I, I guess we'll have this, the data eventually in a few years or a few months. It doesn't seem to me that the spikes are really helping in the sprints that much or thought to help that much in the sprints. So I think it's kind of like someone mouthing off about something he doesn't really know about. Yeah, I'm kind of think I think kind of the same thing, Robert. Like, what insane sprint times have we seen this year? I guess Shelly Ann Fraser Price ran ten six three. I mean, Gabby Thomas is not. I didn't. I'm not aware of New Balance having a super spike in the sprints. Maybe they do. She ran twenty one sixty one. So okay, there have been a couple of crazy times, but I don't think the data is overwhelming to the point where this is like the start of a massive revolution. And maybe it's revealed in a couple of years. It is, but I mean, nine seven seven is the leading time in the hundred. That seems pretty reasonable for uh, for an olympic year so yeah i think we, we still gotta wait for the day to come in but it's interesting that he would say that i think maybe he's just he's used to having these records you know he's owned the 100 and 200 records since 2008 it's become part of a, his identity and maybe he's worried that it could be taken away because he saw what happened in the marathon and on the track with Bekele. And he still will like nobody's anywhere near these records. I just, yeah, I think it's interesting how much he thinks that they have an effect. Cause I had no idea that they supposedly have as much of an effect as they might in the distances. And I don't think they do, but maybe it's more the mid tier guys. He's talking about, you know, your, your Bracey or your Jovan Martin or this Swiss guy that ran in the mid nine eights over the weekend. You know, it, it's, it's wild where these times are coming from. And the women are certainly running crazy fast, you know, maybe just on the men's time, or on the men's side, we don't have the top tier talent 
that we did, you know, with Tyson Gay or Johan Blake in the, or in the Bolt years. But, you know, maybe he's onto something or maybe he just is re- equating this, the sprint technology or the spike technology and the sprinting spikes to what it is in the distance spikes. All right. And I had one last thing for you guys. I wanted to talk about Gwen Jorgensen briefly because she is somewhat of a cult figure in the sport and, you know, has a strong following as a, a reigning Olympic champion, but not in a running event. But now she obviously didn't make the Olympics in any running event and has said that she's leaving the Bowerman Track Club. She's changing coaches. And there was some speculation, people on social media and on the Let's Run message board saying that, you know, this decision had something to do with Shelby Houlihan and Jorgensen trying to distance herself from that whole situation in the BTC. And, you know, I tend to believe that that that's not the case. It just had to do with her performance and, you know, not running well under the BTC program. But she did say that she wants to continue running the marathon, but at this point, you know, she's 35 years old, her running career hasn't panned out the way she intended it to when she switched solely to running, you know, a number of years ago. So I don't, I don't really know what to make of this decision, but some people are saying that it has to do with Shelby. And I don't, I don't think that that's the full uh, issue. All right. Cue it up. Play the Rojo rant music. This is absurd. This is absolutely absurd. This is the problem. People like read it, look at decisions and then try to make up excuses for it. She did not leave the BTC because she doesn't like Jerry Shoemaker. It's just suspicious to be around them. I've got it on good authority. It appears that she hasn't even been under contract with the BTC. She's been paying Nike to let them train with the BTC. She likes Jerry. She likes the group or that she got special permission to train with the group and wear their gear, even though she wasn't still under contract because obviously you know, if, if you're Nike and you're looking to cut costs at the end of 2020, you'd think, okay, this woman is not going to make the Olympics. There's no reason to be paying her. So this is stop this nonsense. Why is she moving, moving to the marathon? Because it's her passion. It's her love. What else is she going to do? She's not a world factor on the track. She's not going to make any money on the track, but maybe a New York or a Boston will give her $20,000, $25,000. I have no idea how much these people make to run the marathon because she is a story. She does move the needle. I wish her the best, but if people are speculating this, Gwen herself needs to put a stop to this and and say, no, I love Jerry. I love the group. We're clean as hell. What, pe- what people is this, though? Is this – I saw one reply to a Twitter post. Is it beyond that? Like are there people on the message boards who are saying that? Well, then that's another problem because people say, oh, people are criticizing. And I do the same thing. You look in a 200-page you know, thread or 200 200- – you know, response tweet and three people say something negative and people, you can always write these articles in journalism that write the world reacts negatively. Okay. You can find three people that hate anything. So that's a good point, John. Fair. There is a thread on the message boards mentioning it, but yeah, Gwen did give all the credit to, you know, her BTC teammates and said she loved her time there. And I don't know that she's, you know, outwardly defended Shelby Houlihan, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was a part of it. So it was all in, in good, you know, in good spirits, but certainly, you know, there's a number of wild conspiracy theories about why she may have left. Yeah. That's just the nature of the internet. I mean, journalism now is like, find a few tweets that are the most outrageous. And (laughs) I love how there's conspiracy theories. Why a non elite track woman would leave one of the world's most elite track clubs, probably because they, there's (laughs) They don't need her anymore. They don't want her anymore. You know, she's not at that level. She needs to go do her own thing. Yeah, fair point. All right, Carl. Well, good luck. I mean, you've got to you got to get that half marathon. You got to get that endurance up, the speed up. 
Again, it's illegal for your coach to be coaching you this summer. So if you need a new coach, 844, let's run extension three. John and I can give you some workouts. We, we've coached. Um, Wait, you're forcing him to call into the let's run number? Well, Robert. Well, like, I don't want to give that out over the air. Just in case Carl didn't. Well, I, he knows what it is. You don't need to read it fair on, enough, on the enough. air. Although I don't know if I've ever coached. Have we ever coached John anyone to sub 340? Oh, Ben Renero. I mean, people are running 337s nowadays, like they're left and right. So, yep, a lot of work to be done. Yeah, again, got to got to focus on that AK first and worry about that, which is a little bit more difficult for me. So that's the focus. Carl's already a 338 guy in my mind. I said that a couple of times. So Carl, just start thinking you're already 338. Robert doesn't believe in the mental side of running, but you repeated it enough. You're already 338. All right, have a good week. Thanks, guys. If you want electrolytes without the junk, there's only one way to do it. Drink LMNT. Go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run and take advantage of the free sample pack. It only costs $5 shipping. You get six different flavors. You can try them all out. If you don't like this stuff, I will personally refund your five bucks. Chris Lear, author of Running with the Buffaloes, texted me last Friday. LMNT is the best thing you guys have promoted. I love this stuff. Chris Lear loves this stuff. You'll love it. Electrolytes without the junk. No sugar. Nothing extra. DrinkElementT.com slash Let's Run. Check the show notes for a link. We're eight days away from track and field action at the Tokyo Olympics, and there's only one way to get all of the Let's Run.com coverage. Join our supporters club today to get all the insight from Tokyo. Daily podcast. Behind-the-scenes access, you'll hear it all as a supporting club member. Join today, let'srun.com slash subscribe. Annual members get a free let'srun.com or 159.40 goat shirt. These are some of the softest shirts in the business. Let'srun.com slash subscribe.